This is the Prestigious Initiative. Welcome. I'm Chris Bean, and here with me is Chris Kent. Hello, Mr. Kent. Hello, sir. Today we have an extraordinary guest joining us today, Clarissa Burt. She is an internationally acclaimed, award-winning media personality, producer, director, author, and former supermodel. Her recent book, The Self-Esteem Regime, has won international acclaim, and we're thrilled to have her here. Welcome, Clarissa. How are you? Hey, Chris and Chris. Hey, you two Chris's. <laughs> That's my mom's name, so it comes pretty easily. Uh, so uh, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, how, what, what brought you on the path to the self-esteem? Yeah, I, real, uh, real simple. It just really had, you know, a lot to do with, obviously, and I think it does with pretty much everybody that's listening, you know, our childhood, our backgrounds, what we learned from the, the you know, the uh, the tribe at home, you know, what was it that we we were subjected to? Um, you know, I don't know that I've ever really come across that many people said, you know, I had the most perfect parents. They were, I had the most perfect childhood. Like I had no pain. <laughs> there was no, you know, it's really difficult to come across anybody that I have ever found that has said, yeah, well, there were some glitches and there were some things I had to work out along the way. Um, I had a mother, my mother is an absolutely beautiful woman. And I watched this woman as a young girl who, you know, absolutely had no self-esteem, extremely low self-esteem. Please don't take my picture. I came out horrible in pictures and she was always worried about her weight and there was, and she no need to be. So I, here I am as a young girl watching her, learning from her and perceiving her in a completely different way than how she perceived herself. Let's move on to my grandmother, another really beautiful woman. So one day she decides she's in her 60s, 50s, maybe she was. She took two diet pills one day. So she choked on them, you know, perforated her esophagus and wound up six weeks in the hospital. And I'm looking at my grandmother and I, you're everything to me. You're my soulmate. I love you. I, you. My perception of you is so grand. Why don't you see what I see? Fast forward to, you know, stories I won't bore you with, with friends and girlfriends of mine in school and, and the toxic relationships. Fast forward to super, you know, to the supermodels that I worked with. And I have to say that, you know, again, this is not, you know, everyone, but there were certain instances that I stopped and scratched my head and said, why is she in a toxic relationship? Why is she doing the drugs? Why is she binging and purging? Why is she, you know, anorexic? What's going on? Like, why is the self-esteem for, you know, the some of the most beautiful creatures in the world? Um, you, you know, as low as it is. And so what is the connection between these girls on the runway, uh, the Valentino and Saint Laurent shows, and my mother in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Like, where's, the, you know, the connection? And of course, the answer is, you know, lack of happy, healthy self-esteem or low self-esteem. So I, it came, you know, very early in my life that there, you know, that I learned about this and that I wanted to talk about it. Uh, I was on stage Four years ago, and when I got off the stage, Gary Krebs, who wrote actually, you know, he he put my words into into um, on down on paper, which was phenomenal. Took a lot off my plate, and he came to me after the speech and said, "I've got to write your book." And I went, "Let's let's do this." It was just before COVID, um, and we started, you know, d dinking around. And I went up to the the New York City uh, at the Javits Center, the Book Expo, and we walked. 
the, you know, he looked, he's like a mayor up there. And so we walked it, you know, the aisles, talked to some book publishers. It was picked up by a New York City publisher, which was already anybody's dream. And then the book really has been, it's been in Barnes and Noble for the last two years. You walk in and boom, there it is. So, and I say that because first of all, I still pinch myself in disbelief that that, that it happened that way. But I also say it because when I was a kid, guys, you know, there weren't still dinosaurs walking around the earth. When I was a kid, we had no computers, no internet, no cell phones, none of that. And our information was either from the encyclopedia you had at home or from the bookstores. They were board, board of books, Walden Books and Barnes and Noble. And there was a little teeny section in the back and it was called self-help. And it had about 40 books on it, on the shelves. And that's where I lived. Because I needed the guidance, the, the support, I needed the help, I needed the the information that was not forthcoming anywhere else to understand, to understand, you know, and uh, to understand a lot of things. And that's really why I say now, you know, personal, they call the section now in Barnes and Noble is called the personal development section. And it's a billion dollar industry. So just goes to show now we still are, especially after COVID, and especially in these really trying times of division and 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 difficulty and trying to understand what's what as we get up and read the news every morning, it is really our sacred duty to continue the work on ourselves. Well, it's interesting. You you talked about kind of the stories that we're told as as kids. And we kind of latch on to those and we start to self-believe those stories that somebody else put on us that perhaps was put onto them. And we, we were fed these stories and we assume that that, well, that must be me too. And, and you, you fill into that and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you, you hold yourself to the, where that line is, which is holding you back from what you actually could or should be doing. And because that story was told to you, that's all you have. And so that's really interesting. You know, of course, you, you found that across your, your, your life that it's not just one class of people that has that, but that's everyone all across the board, no matter matter where you are, you have those stories, those limiting beliefs that you've been told, and, and that's all you have. Yeah. And that's so true when I was talking to you before about, um, about you know, the tribe, you know, what the tribe, you know, teaches you and how they try to hold on to you as you, as you, you know, um, and, and embark on your path, on your journey, you know, your life's journey, they will try to hold on to you. And it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's kind of a generational trauma because the traumas have been passed forward from generation to generation, many of them. And we could be here all day on the epigenetics and all of that. But what I'm trying to get at is when you decide, you know, you know, head scratcher, I don't necessarily know that everything I learned at home is serving me and my greater good. I don't know that everything I learned from my, my educational institutions was definitely, you know, is definitely in alignment with who I am and how I feel. I don't know that even I'm going to bring in faith or a lot of times when, when sometimes faith, some things that I, you know, I scratched my head as a Catholic growing up going, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that. I've had two private audiences with Pope John Paul, so I have to be careful about that. But, you know, I mean, I I really, I have to, I had to be me and I had to be the best version of myself. And it wasn't always necessarily what I was bringing along with me. You know, I, the, the question remains, is it yours? Is it yours? Or was it something that you were taught? There's a great book by a man um, by the name of Mark Wolin. Um, it's called Shake the Family Tree. It didn't start with you. 
And that is a really great read also that kind of goes deeper into what I'm talking about right now. And a lot of the things that are projected onto us that we do believe that are ours are not. And when we decide that the, the things that we were taught don't serve us anymore and we start to shed those beliefs, we are going to probably encounter some people that are going to get their noses out of joint. They're going to be upset with us. They might even be angry with us. They might even, you know, just, you know, stop communicating with us. Um, and we have to be ready for that. The courageous part of the, you know, the work that is to be done. And I'm telling you, one of the most difficult things about personal development and self-improvement is, is having the courage to really take a, a really deep look at yourself, who you are and who you want to be. Well, and, you know, you mentioned the, the concept of, of perfecting self-esteem. And, and I guess my, my question is, do you believe that that is a achievable goal or is it more about the progress as opposed to the perfection? I don't know that I've ever talked about the perfection of self-esteem. What I've talked about is that it's, it's, it's a, it's a constant. It is something that we will be doing for people say, you know, do you ever do, you know, do you ever read enough books to get to the point with your self-esteem, you know, you can take a test, you know, get a hundred and no, it doesn't work that way because we are, we are in constant evolution. Right. And so as, as life will do, it ebbs and flows and it triggers and whatever is going to come down the pike, we need to be ready for, we have to have the tools in the shed. And those tools come from the reading that we do around personal development, the work that we do around self-improvement, uh, the courses, the classes, the, the, you know, the seminars, whatever it may be, but it must be constant, uh, it must be, you know, put in the calendar as, you know, almost as you know, frequently as you go get your nails done or get a haircut. You know, you have to make sure that you are taking the time to read the books, do um, um, the work. And you know, say, oh, my God, it's work. Well, all right, put in the effort. I don't know. You know it's, it's semantics at this point. But, yeah, some of this is going to be tough. Some of this isn't going to be easy. It's going to depend a lot on, you know, again, your mostly your natal, natal tribe, what you were taught, where you came from. For example, in my instance, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of yelling and screaming. There was quite a bit of violence. And so for me, when I left the tribal home, I thought that everything was yelling and screaming. And that was it meant to, it was power. I felt that that was true power. And then of course I got out into the real world and pff, that didn't work. You know, that wasn't where, if I would sit here right now and yell and scream at you, Chris, not you, Chris, you, Chris. Um, <laughs> if I were to start doing that, you know, you you think I was a screaming meanie, a banshee, and you'd be right. So there's a lot of things that, you know, those kinds of things that we, we have to take a, a look at. I'm reading a book called Asper Girls. And I knew already knew to be AD, you know, ADD and ADHD. That's kind of, you know, a given. But the whole Asperger's thing and, and how they actually, if you see a Venn diagram and how they they kind of interconnect. Um, you never look at me and say, gee, Clarissa, I think you're, you know, probably on the spectrum. But I read that book and I'll be damned if I didn't check everything. <laughs> I went, yeah, check, 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 check. And I tell you that just to say, as we go and as we grow, there are things that we come to find out about ourselves. Again, the epigenetics, the things that how we're wired, the synapses, our brains are, you know, again, the possibility of being ADHD and 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 uh, potentially being on an autism scale. Um, also, I've, I've done a lot of reading into Dr. Elaine Aaron's work 
He does work called the extra sensitive person. And that's where people are triggered by your environment. So for example, in my house, you can't cook because I can't stand the smells. I can't stand bright lights. Although I was brought up basically working on stages, I was able to those kind of lights didn't bother me as much as if I were to go outside on a bright sunny day. It's kind of, it was a little bit different. Um, I can't do loud noises. Um, I get scared easily. Uh, if, you know, people scare me. They go, oh, I'm so sorry, Clarissa. Don't worry about it. I'm used to it. It happens all the time. So um, whether, you know, somebody comes up behind me or there's a loud thud or a noise or a slam or whatever it is. I know what triggers me. And there was a time when these triggers used to anger me. You had there, so there was a point in time where I had to learn also how to manage these triggers, and to answer your question as life triggers you, uh, it, you know you have to learn how to stand strong in your stead, and you do that by having the tools in the shed that I spoke about before. Because when the hurricane comes through, when you that typhoon is 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 popping by, you know you might lose a leaf or two. You could potentially lose a branch but you're not going to be uprooted with the storm and carried away. And that therein lies the, the importance and the power of doing the work. Well, and, and so speaking on doing the work, it's interesting. You brought up, you know, reading and then and conversely going to the, to the gym. It's, I find it interesting that people will schedule time in their day to go to the gym and, oh man, we have to, you know, if I can't do anything to have that, but nobody does that for the intellectual training of their brain on a, on a daily basis. So building that time, putting that it actually on your schedule. No, I can't do anything. That's my studying time. And I, I switched the vocabulary that I was using from reading to studying. It's the same thing, but the the meaning behind reading versus studying to me was enough of a difference, enough of an impact that I don't call my my studying time reading anymore. I'm studying. And so when I'm studying and I put that in my calendar, just as workout is in my calendar, those things are there so that I can build those habits and they don't happen on accident. It's not like, well, I'll read when I have time. You're not going to have time. You have to make time for that. And by carving out the time, putting it in your calendar, and then following through with what you said you were going to do, that will make it happen. Yeah. And the other thing that I, re- I find really interesting, and, and and I just bring this up because, you know, we talk about, they talk, they say that these are soft skills, right? So things that have to do with, you know, communication, teamwork, problem solving, adaptability, leadership, time management, and the like, emotional intelligence um, and empathy are, they call them soft skills. And it's probably some of the hardest work that you will ever do, right? If you think about it, it's easy to learn a skill, a craft or whatever it is when you, when you, you know, yeah, okay, you have to go to college, you have to re- oh, crack the books, do the studying, pass the tests and find a job. But nobody ever really, 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 really teaches you until you, what is teamwork? What is, you know, the communication part? Again, the emotional intelligence part is, is some of the hardest work that, that soft skills will bring. And I use that kind of, you know, the hard and the soft of it all well, just to be. You and know, that's an interesting concept, too, because we assume that at some point we're going to, quote unquote, learn these things, meaning hopefully be taught how to do these things. But those things yeah. never actually happen unless you go out and do them for yourself. And more often than not, that's trying, failing. Nope, that didn't work. Let's try this. Nope, failed. Let's try yeah. this. And really, failure yeah. is a integral part of being able to learn something. But to 
like like you said, we're not taught how to do leadership or time management or even how to study in school. Like if you could teach the 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 school kids how to like not just tell them to study, but what does that actually look like? What is the protocol for studying? this subject and then to teach them that oh my gosh they'd be so much better off but we're not taught those things yeah yeah and i think that the world would be a much better place if we were to learn uh again what a value system is and i think that that's something else we need to talk about in the sense in the sense that if i were to ask you right now give me your top four or five in your of your value you know top four or five values a lot of people are probably going to you're going to get a lot of deer in the headlights because people you must come to the table with your life's blueprint and that is what your value system is i i you know crafted my own value system and there are, so i do what i call taking the high road and that is honesty integrity gratitude and honor all right. It doesn't sound like, you know, all of that, but it is when you come to the table with all of it. Imagine if the whole, imagine just bear with me a second. If when you wake up tomorrow, everybody in the entire world was honest. Just imagine that for a moment with me. Will you just humor me a moment? <laughs> just imagine if everybody came to the table and their blueprint was today, I'm honest. Everything I do, everything I say, every every fiber in my being is about being honest. Living in integrity. Who are you when nobody else is in the room? You know, who are you when you know that you get away with it? Uh, who are you when, you know, uh, how do you treat people that you know can't do anything for you? They can't do anything for me. How do you treat them? You know, so that's another really, really huge part of it all. Gratitude, we all know. I drop and give me 10 right now. That should be the easiest thing on the planet. You know, what we're, what we're really grateful for. Um, you know, food in the pantry, hot water this morning, a beautiful sunrise, uh, you know, uh, my family that loves me, my health, we could be again, right? Running water, you know, <laughs> clean running water. So we have lots of things to be thankful for. Honor. Usually we think of honor, we think about military and that and the like, but really um honor is so much more than that. It's really, and I want to tell a story about that because it's really cool. Um because I believe in honor. I really think that it's one of those kinds of things that we need to be honoring. Um, I have a story when I was on Survivor, actually, I actually won Survivor, but I digress. So anyway, I was on Survivor in in Italian, I was on Italian Survivor and we were in Nicaragua. So I get a, um, we we get this exercise one day and everybody has to get into helicopters and, and go somewhere to do an exercise. Okay, whatever. Um, and so I'm in it, we're in three girls and I'm in the front and there are two of the bikini babes, the beautiful girls, the much younger girls, the kids that were on the show with me or with us. And she, and they were, they coerced the guy that, you know, the, the, the pilot of the, the uh, helicopter um, to go into the little thatch tut over there and get some snacks because we were starving. We were really, really, really hungry. And I lost 20 pounds on the island. It was great. I, it was phenomenal. But anyway, I, again, I digress. So, <laughs> so he comes back with his brown paper bag, hands it to the girls, and we off we go. So at a certain point during the, the voyage, I get this tap on my shoulder and I look around and they're proffering some food to me. I don't know what it was, crackers and cookies and whatever the heck it was. And I, oh, no, 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 thanks. No, thanks. No, 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 thanks. And I think that they weren't expecting that. And and what happens right away is, first of all, it would have been dishonest. Second of all, it was against the rules. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that because, you know, I, I want to be this little Miss Goody Two Shoes, but I'm I'm telling you the story to drive home the point of honor. I was able to look at myself in the mirror and go, you did the right thing. 
because it would have been unfair to the other people that had absolutely nothing to eat. You know, you would have had an unfair advantage, even if it was a little, you know, snack crack or whatever it was. It's not fair. It wouldn't have been right. And what was really interesting is how there was a so we were really tight, the three of us, how all of a sudden there was there was this um, I'm going to call a scission, if you will, this this break in the relationship. A, I think they were afraid I was going to go and tell. I would have never done that. But I think that I had put the first, I think I had embarrassed them in a sense. And it made them think a minute about, you know, whatever they thought, whether they thought I was the most horrible human being on the planet or, hey, maybe we really shouldn't have done this. So honor is something that it it, it, it really is, it's kind of a weapon in a way. Um, and and when they say, when you say you know, honor your parents, or I said, what are you talking about? I have the worst parents in the world. Yeah, yeah, but you know, honor is the weapon that'll keep their dysfunction from overtaking you. Think about that for a second, because what we talked about before from the you know the natal tribe was all the dysfunction, right? So when we honor them for who they are and understand that their dysfunction was was theirs, and we didn't have to. You know, we didn't have to continue to live in that dysfunction. Um, it really does kind of it's kind of one of those things that help, helps your heart from being damaged because it's not about them. It's about moving past their dysfunction. Well, what what an interesting way to think about values. I know for myself, I've done a value system and basically the long and short of it is I, I broke my life down into categories into like buckets. Okay, I'm a father, I'm a I'm a you know a husband, all you know, all these things. And I thought, okay, great. Next part would be to order those in, in rank order. What's the most important? And then do that. And then I made a a why. Like why is this important to me? Why is this a value? And then I made an affirmation to go along with those. And that was kind of how I interact with with what my values are, the, the the things that I want to value in my life. But that that high road method that that's really interesting. I've never heard of that uh, before. Really, I, I I was, you know, it, it's again, it's kitschy and it's catchy because taking the high road and then the acronym, obviously, you know, uh, honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor, and it keeps it really succinct. And if you, as your life's blueprint, can follow that on a on a constant every day continual basis no matter what relate with your kids with your wife with your you know with chris sitting next to you chris sitting next to you uh you know <laughs> all all of the above just imagine what kind of life you would be able to live i mean first of all you're you instant you're an instant instantaneous leader because everybody will look up to you and i'll, and I'll close this I'll, I'll close this this one thought with with this and that is if you don't come from a healthy family Make sure by doing the work that a healthy family comes from you. Yeah, yeah. What a what a what a good what a good way. Yeah. Um, so to, to to transition a little bit, you you speak about mirror therapy as a, as a concept in your book, and and I'm just could could you share uh, with our audience what mirror therapy is, uh, where it originated, yeah. and and how that kind of interacts with with self esteem. Where it originated, I don't know, but I will tell you that I learned of mirror therapy from Louise Hayes' works. And so Louise Hayes, you know, obviously the grand guru and grandmother of uh, of an immense publishing house that had to do with everything, personal development, uh, sorry, personal development and um, self-esteem, self-improvement. 
Uh, and then Jack Canfield used it in his works. And I, I think we know Jack Canfield as the part of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, uh, uh, the, the other half, along with uh, Mark Victor Hansen. And he used it in his works. And I figured if it was good enough for them, it was good enough for me as well. And here's the basic concept. You know, we don't always get the accolades or the affirmation that we need or we think we need from others. And, um, and sometimes that might be a really long time in coming and, you know, you could do it yourself. You know, it's kind of why I talk about reparenting yourself. This is another way this is like, you can, you know, be your best cheerleader. You're your own rah-rah session. When you get in front of a mirror, there are two ways to approach a mirror. You can look at a mirror or you can look into the mirror. And so when you're looking at the mirror, you're, you're grooming, you're preening, right? When you're looking into the mirror, you actually are looking into your eyes and into your soul. And so you're going to stop and you're really going to look and you're going to take, you know, you're just going to stop and look at yourself just like you guys are looking at me and I'm looking at you right now. You're going to look at yourself and you're going to settle in because that already for some people is, you know, is unnerving, right? And I mean this in all sincerity. Uh, a lot of people don't have a great relationship with the mirror. And the whole point of mirror therapy is to have a phenomenal relationship with the mirror. And that might mean, hey, hey, Clarissa, um, I really like you. Yeah, I want you to know also how much I love you and what a great job you did on that presentation the other day in front of a thousand people. And I just want to let you know, that was a really, really, you know, that I'm really proud of you for that. And, and I know this sounds weird, you guys. I know it's, it looks weird. It feels weird. It sounds weird. But I am going to, uh, a lot of people I'm, I'm going to invite to bring a box of tissues along because this is probably one of the most impactful exercises you will ever do is when you talk, when you look at yourself after all the daily demons and after all the negative self-talk and after the horrific impre impression you have of yourself. When you can rectify all of that and come to the table with mirror therapy and start telling yourself how amazing you really are, I guarantee you, your life is going to change and not in a small way. Well, and that, that speaks on positive self-talk and, and that's so, it's so important uh, being like you, you are the person that's inside your head all the time, every day, 24 seven. And if you start to cut yourself down, which people do all the time, you will believe those things because you, your trusted self, are telling yourself those things. And so if you can shift that perspective into a more enlightening, a more beneficial, more positive way, oh my gosh, the benefits for yourself are, are amazing. Let me talk a little bit about, about this. And, and, and I found it really interesting. You know, I am enough. You are enough. We are enough. Everybody's enough. And so I went, you know what, let me look up the, the definition of enough. And I did one day. And here's the definition of enough. Only as much as is required. Mm. Only as much as is required. So by definition, the word enough isn't enough. So the new mantra then becomes, and you can definitely use this with the mirror therapy, and I hope you do. And I, I really, I wish it for you. I am so much more than enough. Mm. I don't know about you, Chris, and I don't know about you, Chris, but I am so much more than enough. And you as fathers, I really, I, 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 I invite you to, it's not, and, and by the way, the cover of my book, I, I invite, let me finish the thought. I invite you to, to share this with your children as well. 
you know, hey, here's your new mantra for the day. Put it on a sticky note, put it next to your computer, put it next to your workstation, put it on the mirror in the bathroom, whatever. Even if they don't say it, they read it. I am so much more than enough. It is one of the most empowerful, empowering statements that I have ever heard. And yes, I created it myself. So, <laughs> but let me just say this, you know, the, the cover of the book is blue. You'll see that it's three different iterations of blue, right? When I first got the cover back from the publisher, it was it was pink and yellow and orange. And by the way, it would have jumped off the shelves at Barnes and Noble, with much, you know, it would have just been, wow, there's a pink and yellow and orange book there. And the only thing I did, the only, and you're not allowed to do this. And oh my God, Gary had a heart attack when I said, no, you must do this. He, I asked the publisher if they would change the colors up to blue so that men would pick it up. Mm. And I will tell, because again, self-esteem doesn't discriminate and self-esteem does, you know, the, 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 the let's just say self-esteem goes really, really wide and really deep, as you can tell, because we're not talking right now about, hey, never compare yourself to others. You know, that's not. Yeah, that's self-esteem 101. And let's go with that, too. And here's something else I'll, I'll say about that. When we're talking about comparison and, and then we'll talk about if you'd like, we can talk about so, uh, social media and how and how that relates to self-esteem. Um. We always talk about about, you know, self-esteem and wanting to keep up with the Joneses, right? The grass is always greener on the other side. I would like us all to think that the grass is always greener where we water it. And is it really grass or is it astroturf? Meaning. Meaning. Is it? your perception of what you see or is it their perception of what they want you to see and social media is a perfect example for all of that yeah well it's hard to not fall in that trap because on social media everybody's putting up their best version of themselves they could be crying throwing a fit you know whatever and then the you know they they start that camera and then they they change completely they become there's the big big, you know villa and the two lamborghinis parked outside that were probably for the day and by the way I don't say that disparagingly. I'm thrilled for people that have that kind of success. You know, can you please teach us all something, right? We're all happy to learn. Um, But the ones that want you to believe that there's something that they're not need to do the work on personal development, right? So I invite them to come and read my book or anyone anyone else's book that might be able to help them. So the, the concept of I am, you know, I am enough, we are enough and going back to I am so much more than enough and is the grass really greener on the other side? Is they are perfect examples of again coming back to social media. Um, the the um, the uh, Attorney General of the United States in April, his name is Murphy. I think it's Vivek Murphy, and he came out and said we are in the middle of a youth mental health crisis. Youth mental health crisis. The CDC came out with numbers that are staggering. Staggering. There's something that Dove does, um, which is called the um, uh, Dove Self-Esteem Project, and they've been doing a self-esteem project for years. I followed it with with great awe because they do amazing work. And they did something in April that is it was hashtag No More Filters because we have nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen-year-old girls that are learning that whatever they are isn't good enough, that they have to have these beauty filters on for social media to be anything or to look like anything, 
right? And to be in the vying um, as far as beauty is concerned. And Dove, you know, constantly drives home the idea that, you know, you are you are phenomenally beautiful just the way you are. And that's exactly what um, what we need to be taking a look at and, and getting these devices out of the hands of kids as much as they are and teaching them that these filters are not reality. I mean, they're fun. They can be fun, but be real careful because that's not reality. Yeah. You know, and so um, and 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 it's 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 very scary because a lot of these kids, when they find out that real life isn't reality or I'm sorry, that the reality that they, they are perceiving isn't real life. Uh, you know, they are we've got almost 50 percent of our kids right now. And I'm saying grade school from middle school, high school and college age are either anxious, they're depressed, they are thinking about. I say committing suicide because I'm of an older generation or or have unalived themselves. So, you know, we have to really as adults, I'm not a I'm not a biological parent, but I have been mother to many. And um I I I think we really need to keep our ear to the ground and it is our moral obligation and our sacred duty to be really checking in with these kids. Dinner time means those devices go, again, I can only suggest devices go away. You're without them for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is. Get into the kitchen, help me chop up the, you know, the onions. You, you know, set the table. We sit down and eat and discuss our day and find uh, how are we really doing? Um, You know, the bullying situation we just saw in Las Vegas, what, uh, November 1st, where the kid was, you know, was killed because he was standing up for friends of his, you know, he was it's an awful situation, but these are things that are happening every day, every day. And it's, it's, it's disheartening. It's, and it's, it's really quite frankly, to it's deplorable. We should not be allowing this to happen. Um, I see on the social media constantly parents that are going into school, school systems are saying this is happening to my child and nothing is being done. Now, I don't have all the answers, but I know that if we were teaching our kids a little bit more about happy, healthy self-esteem and how to live in it and how to live with it, this stuff, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be happening. Well, okay. So what, if you had to lay out, let's say the first two or three steps to having a happier, healthier self-esteem, what would, what would the first two or three steps to do? And this could be for yourself, for the kids, just in, in general, what would that look like? Well, first of all, get your value systems, you know, nice and, 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 you know, and talk about that, like talk about that to your kids. What, like, what are some really important things that you really think we need to be living by? What do you think about, what do you think about like really being honest? What do you think about, you know, living in integrity and explain what that means? How about gratitude guys? Give me, can you write down five things you're really grateful for? How about great five? Good. Can you give me another five? Like really help stretch that out a little bit. Um, I think that would be really, really good to do. I think, you know, also the four pillars that I love to to talk about, which are look good, feel good, be good, and greater good. And look good, we know. It's the outside, right? And when we know that we are looking good, we have a lilt in our step. We are front our day. You know, people say, oh, well, you know, self-esteem shouldn't be about the way you look. All right, whatever. Okay, you can think of it that way. But I know that when I throw on a little mascara and some lip gloss, I'm feeling a little good about myself. I'm feeling, you know, you wouldn't have want me to come on this podcast this morning the way I woke up. <laughs> I promise you that. 
right? So that is an important, yes, of course, it's called taking pride in your appearance, right? Nothing wrong with that at all. Diet, exercise, nutrition, making sure that, you know, that our brain and our second brain, meaning our gut and gut health are all in alignment, that we are getting the proper nutrition and that we are taking, we are being mindful about wellness, whether that be a massage, whether it be self-care, whether it be taking some time off, a walk in the wilderness. I don't care what it is. This is something else we need to all be getting into the calendar. We can get the dog to the vet and we can get our nails done and we can get a haircut or, you know, to the doctors. We can definitely get that into the calendar as well. And if that means, hey guys, every Saturday from nine to 11, mom's out, you know, or she's out, you know, like get that. And dad's too, again, I, I I forgot to say the reason that, you know, is this because I wanted, you know, guys to, to read the book as well, because again, you know, you know, men suffer all of these things as well. They like to say they don't, and they probably, you know, don't share as much, but they do. Everything we talk about goes, you know, goes for guys and maybe twice as much because they feel as though they feel the shame of coming and saying, I'm not in a good place right now. Right. Or the shame of saying, hey, I'm doing some personal development work. Guys, you know, a lot of guys don't feel comfortable with that. And I want to be the, you know, one of the you know, advocates of saying, get comfortable with that because it's a really sexy thing. It's a really, really sexy thing. Uh, when you come to the table whole and complete, notwithstanding your background, past relationships, all of that, because you continue to do the work, I promise you guys, that is, that is really, really sexy. All right. So look, feel good. Again, diet, exercise, proper nutrition, right? That's really important. Um, be good. And so that's relationships, that's leadership. It's, you know, your business, it's your finances. It's like staying on top of like life's game, right? And then your, so that's your head, that's the intelligent part. And then your heart. So look good, feel good, be good, greater good. That's the inside, the outside, the inside, the head and the heart. Right. Teach them the importance of giving back, of volunteering, of paying it forward. We are suffering also a loneliness epidemic right now. There's a loneliness a thing. It's a real thing. There's a loneliness epidemic. And that also is due a lot uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to social media. Because we have, we've cloistered ourselves. Right. We're cloistered now. Now we have the, me and the device. And, and it's funny because I, I'm sitting next to you on the couch going out to the world. Right. And the world is coming back to me on the couch. But I can't put the device down and turn to you and have a conversation. I know people that text each other in the same damn house. I, and maybe that's the thing. It depends, I guess, on how big your house is. But, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, so continually bringing the you know, self-reliance, teaching them independence, teaching them um, the command of self, you know, the um, and be really, really um, resolute about controlling your behavior, right? It, there's so there's so much to this, you guys. There's so much to this. And releasing the stuff that's not working, that's my first chapter. Rebuilding is the se- second chapter. So you now you're ground zero, now you're going to rebuild. I think 70% of the work that the, the book entails is, is the letting go part, letting go of all the old, you know, all the old paradigms, all the old, uh, you know, models, all the old modeling, all of the old, you know, stuff that was, I was going to say shift, by the way, oh, not, <laughs> just so you know, um, you know, the shift that you need to 
to implement, to put in place so that, you know, you are uh, not bringing forward all of the stuff, right? Give them purpose. Like, where's your purpose? Teach them boundaries. Boundaries are where are you drawing the line in the sand? By the way, boundaries don't have to come with yelling and screaming and you hurt me and that hurt me and you triggered. No. Boundaries are set in place with ease and joy and grace and glory. And you just say to people, hey, I just can I explain? Do you mind if can I have a minute? I want to let you know that that kind of hurt my feelings. And let me tell you why. And that most people are going to go, oh, my gosh, Chris, I had no idea. I am so, so sorry. That's a keeper. If somebody, when you say that, says, oh, come on, get over yourself. I was just kidding for God's sake. You've got a toxic relationship probably on your hands and you need to take a look at that. Toxic relationships are the ones we spoke of before that are going to be the most difficult to to pull away from because you probably care about that person. But do they care about you in the same way? So this is when you talk about boundaries, you're talking about advocating for yourself. So there's lots there. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah well, please. I was going to say that what a what a uh, a good foundation to to stand on to start to build that process to a, to a better self esteem and and you know Clarissa, I want to say you know thank you for your your insights your wisdom uh, today and and really uh, your mission is so inspiring and I can really tell the the dedication uh, that you have to sharing this self-esteem with others. And you know, I guess, do you have any, do you have any closing thoughts for our, for our listeners? Yeah. Here? Of course I do. You know, I do. <laughs> <laughs> the problem has always been shutting me up. It's never <laughs> to get me to talk. Here's a really great one that I really, really love. And it's another one that's kind of goes in with your value system, if you will. Loyalty is when you have my back behind my back. Loyalty is when I have your back behind your back. That's what loyalty is. And, and I think that if we can bring that to the table with our value system and live by that as our blueprint, can you imagine this? Bear with me a second. Can you imagine if this whole world was loyal? Now, just think for a second. Just imagine what kind of world we would live in. And so, again, it's our sacred duty. It's our sacred duty to do the work, to continually do the work because it is we are a work in progress because it is evolution. Uh, it is our evolution to, um, you know, to constantly want to, you know, be better, a better person tomorrow than we are today. Well, Clarissa, where can where can our listeners go to find out more about you? Um, and anywhere on social, uh, for sure. It's clarissabert.com is my website. Uh, and then social, I'm everywhere except Snapchat um, at uh, clarissabert, B-U-R-T. Wonderful. And I'll be sure to leave those in the show notes as well. That brings us to an end of this uh, engaging episode with Clarissa Burt. We've explored the significance of self-esteem, the idea of, of perfection versus progress, the self-esteem regime the role of, of, of gratitude, mere therapy, and practical tips for building your self-esteem. If you found today's episode valuable, please consider uh, subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends and colleagues. <clears throat> Remember, self-esteem is a journey, not a destination. Until next time, make every day count.